the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. is going to be called to be the commander of the Israeli army. And Deborah challenges Barak, like, hasn't God said, do this? Like, do it. So you get the first inference here, like, why isn't he taking charge himself? Why is she having to remind him? Hasn't God said, like, come on, like, you know, she's having to motivate him, like, stop, you know, get a job. You know, you know it's sad, but sometimes the ladies have to do that. Like, why don't you just get a job? And so here she is. She's like, Barak, like, get a job. And so she calls him to remember what the Lord said. One of the blessings that God has given us is the community in the local church. In this story, Deborah is challenging Barak to remember what the Lord has said. There will be times where we need to rely on the strength of our community to remind and encourage us in the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing about the importance of having a good community to remind us the promises of God. It is so easy to forget all that God has done for us but remembrance brings us strength. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges chapter 4 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. This Canaanite, the commander of the Canaanite army, whose name was Sisera, to come against God's people, to awaken them again to their idolatry so that then they will cry out to the Lord. So God allows King Jabin of Canaan and his commander of the army, Sisera, to besiege Israel for how long? 20 years. 20 years they harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Uh, it tells us, uh, by the way, as we read through it, that Sisera has 900 chariots of iron. And so obviously that implies that there are also 900 horses who are uh, drawing these chariots. But this is basically the latest military vehicles that are, were available at the time. So they have, you know, think of, you know, you've got this army and you've got the most up-to-date military vehicles and you've got the, the latest military armament and here they're coming against Israel and they are just pounding Israel year after year for 20 years. And so during the 20 years, the people of Israel cry out to God. And so God raises up here Deborah. She's introduced to us by name there in verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So 
Uh, when it says they came with her for judgment, it means, you know, they're seeking her counsel. They're seeking her wisdom. She's giving advice. She's giving some leadership. Now, she's very interesting in Scripture, and she's very unique in many ways. And so I want to just mention five things about Deborah so you can get an appreciation for who she is. And three of the five things are found right there in verse 4 alone. If you look again at verse 4, it says, Now Deborah, a prophetess. So for those of you taking notes, the very first thing we see about her that defines her is she, in fact, was a prophetess. A prophetess is someone who speaks on behalf of God. She's declaring. She's not necessarily, don't always think of a prophet as one who foretells. Most often in the Bible, a prophet or a prophetess is one who foretells the word of God. They didn't always, you know, we often think the gift of prophecy has to do with predicting the future by God's divine, you know, revelation. But most of the time, it was foretelling, proclaiming the word of God. And so it wasn't that she was, you know, a great prognosticator of the future. She was one who was filled with the wisdom of God, and she was forthtelling the word of God. So she was being used by God to instruct and to help people in this role as a prophetess. But it also tells us here that she was the wife of Lapidoth, the wife of Lapidoth. Now, that's what it said. Yeah, how'd you like to be married to that guy? Hey, Lappy, how are you? Um, In reality, we're not sure that it means that she was married. And here's the reason. In our English Bibles, it translates just as I read it, the wife of Lapidoth. But when you look in the Hebrew original language of the Old Testament, where in our English it says the wife of Lapidoth, in Hebrew it says Eshet Lapidot. Eshet Lapidot. And the way it translates in a Hebrew Bible is a fiery woman. Eshet Lapidot means a fiery woman. So in a Hebrew Bible, in the original language, it doesn't say she's the wife of Lapidot. It takes the word uh, Lapid, which means fire, and in the Hebrew language, it translates Eshet Lapidot as a fiery woman. She's a woman of fire. So there's something about her that is passionate, shall we say. She is You know, probably a little type A. She's probably, you know, gifted with some administration and some, you know, strong opinion. And she's a fiery woman. So we don't exactly know because the way that English translates the Hebrew, but the way the original Hebrew translates, it probably is more accurate to say that she was a fiery woman, not that she was a wife of Lapidoth. There's really no record of her being a wife other than that one statement. And again, in Hebrew, it translates a fiery woman. But we also see there in verse 4 that she was a judge. So this is where it comes into play with our study. She's number 4 of the 12 judges within the book of Judges. Now, she's in a unique category all of her own because very few women were given leadership roles in Israel. In fact, since Deborah, the only other woman who led Israel was Golda Meir in 1969 when she was elected to office. So that's a very tiny group of leaders of Israel. You have Deborah, and then not again until 1969, you have Golda Meir as prime minister. But God raises her up here as a judge. There's some debate among Bible scholars, and the debate goes like this. Was she raised up by God because of her own merit and God's divine choice in selecting her for this moment in time? 
Or, and this is where people debate, or was it that this was a time when there were so many passive men that no man rose to the occasion, so God said, all right, Deborah, I'm going to pick you. So it's difficult to understand it. And as we go through the chapter here, you're going to see that there's some inferences to a lack of male leadership during this time. And so whether or not Deborah was chosen by God because of a lack of male leadership or whether she was chosen by God simply of her own merit to lead Israel for such a time as this, I mean, there are different times when God, you know, he chose Mary for a very divine purpose. He chose Esther for a very divine purpose. He chose Ruth for a very divine purpose. And so there are different times that God will choose definitely to use women. But when it comes to leadership like this, there's the debate. Was it because of passive men or was it because this is just God's divine choice? So we'll see some of the conflict when we go further into this chapter. But she's listed here as a judge. Let's keep reading because we'll, we'll come upon some of the other examples. I, I have two more things about her. We're going to share five things about her, but we'll see it as we keep going through the text. Uh, look at verse 6. It says, Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? All right, now she's about to quote God. But up to that point, so she summons Barak, okay? His name in Hebrew means lightning, lightning. She summons Barak, and she says, listen, hasn't God commanded something here? And now she's going to quote God. And, here, and here's the, the singular quotation marks. Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So Deborah summons Barak. Barak is going to be the equivalent of Sisera, but on the Israeli side. You know, Sisera was the commander of the Canaanite army, and Barak is going to be called to be the commander of the Israeli army. And Deborah challenges Barak, like, hasn't God said, do this? Like, do it. So you get the first inference here, like, why isn't he taking charge himself? Why is she having to remind him? Hasn't God said, like, come on, like, you know, she's having to motivate him, like, stop, you know, get a job, you know, it's sad, but sometimes the ladies have to do that, like, why don't you just get a job? And so here she is, she's like, Barak, like, get a job. And so she calls him to remember what the Lord said. And here's where it gets funny. Verse eight, and Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. I'm trying to do my best Barack uh, imitation. (laughs) But if you will not go with me, then I will not go. Anyway, but but when you look, that is not a very good Barack Obama imitation at all. But anyway, uh, but, but when you look at what he says there, that's where you can begin to wonder, is this guy... Is he being passive here or is he showing her honor that you are God's chosen vessel for the hour? Because when he says, well, I'm not going to go if you don't go, you know, you can read it like that. You can read it as unless you go, I'm not going to go. Would you please go with me? Okay. If you read it with that tone, you're like, this guy's passive and he's weak. But if on the other hand, he says, and we don't have the advantage of knowing tone and inflection when we're reading the Bible. If on the other hand, he said, to her, you are, you are God's chosen vessel for the hour. 
and I'm not going to go unless you go with me because then God is going with me because you are the one he has chosen. I mean, if he, if he says it that way, that's, that's a whole different perspective. We don't know. We don't know. Now, in her answer, it gets trickier again because it's going to appear that she's saying to him, you're weak. Look at her answer. Verse 9, so she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. So that, that makes it confusing, doesn't it? Because it, now it sounds as if she's actually saying to him, yeah, I'm going to go with you, but you're not going to get any glory out of this victory, okay? And in fact, the one that God's going to give glory to is a woman. And by the way, she doesn't mean herself. She means the other woman in this chapter. We'll get to her in a moment. But again, do you see how it, she's, it's, this is kind of insulting to him, it appears. And, and then she, it says, Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. It's number four in our list of Deborah. She's a warrior. That's what the judges were. They were warriors. Now, it doesn't necessarily tell us she engaged in hand-to-hand combat. It doesn't tell us that, but she certainly is there. So she goes, if nothing else, her presence. Maybe she was engaging in the combat too. It just doesn't get specific, but she's there. She went with him to the battle. Verse 11, now Haber the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zanaim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. All right, so this appears to be kind of a rogue clan related to Moses. And the guy's name here is Hobab, and it says the father-in-law of Moses. Now, this is a difficult translation because in the Hebrew, it can mean any male relative. It doesn't necessarily mean father-in-law. In fact, when you compare scripture with scripture in Numbers 10, verses 29 to 30, you don't need to turn there, but it says that Hobab was the son of Reuel, and Reuel is another name for Jethro, and Jethro was the father-in-law of Moses. So it almost indicates in Numbers 10 that Hobab was the brother-in-law of Moses. But here it, it tells, it infers that, he, that Hobab is the father-in-law of Moses. So it, it's a little confusing, but in Hebrew it can mean any male relative. So whoever this guy specifically is in relation to Moses, he's, he's kind of a rogue clan. And so he separated himself from the Kenites. And he has made, formed some kind of an allegiance, an alliance with Jabin of Canaan. And his commander, Sisera, they're friendly. And it seems here that Hobab is giving intel to Sisera. Because there in verse 12, it says, And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Like, be on the lookout. Barak's gone away. And so Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Harosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. And then Deborah said to Barak, Up! Like, here you go again, like, wake up, you know, get out of bed, wake up. For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? And so Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot, he got off his chariot, and he fled away on foot. 
But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harosheth Hagoim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Okay, pause there for a moment. So you understand the chronology, what's happening here. Again, you know, the people give into idolatry of the nations around them. They are subject to the, uh, the oppression of King Jabin of Canaan and Sisera, the commander of the Canaanite army. So they cry out to the Lord after 20 years. God then raises up Deborah. Deborah has to get Barak into the game. Barak, get down there, take 10,000 of your men and fight because the Lord's going to give the Canaanites into your hands. And so the cycle continues here where God has mercy on the Israelites. He's going to raise up Deborah as a judge. Barak is going to be this commander of the Israeli army. And there's going to be this great victory, but it's only because of the hand of God. And so when this victory happens over the Canaanite army, the commander of the Canaanite army, Sisera, flees on foot. Sounds like a coward to me. He doesn't die with his troops. He abandons his troops. And so he runs. And then there's this hot pursuit. Verse 17. However, it says, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. So circle that name because that's the other woman in this story. He flees to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Canite. Okay, this is the Canite clan that is related to Moses that kind of went rogue. And so Sisera, knowing that there's peace between the clan of Heber, the Canite, and King Jabin of the Canaanites, Sisera flees there thinking, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, asylum here in, in the tent of Jael. We're friends, Right. Okay, Jael, by the way, there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. Her name really is spelled with a Y. It's Yael, and her name means, Yael in Hebrew means wild mountain goat. <laughs> I'm just giving you the name, all right? Okay, I didn't name her. Her parents did. But her name means wild mountain goat, and she's going to live up to her name right here. If you know anything about what we're about to read... This is a vicious woman right here. And so you're going to see here, she does, you know, a righteous thing in terms of trying to honor the Lord here. So here's what happens. Read with me. Verse 18. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. Hey, come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Why don't you lay down? Make yourself comfy. Going to cover you with a blanket. Make you nice and warm and toasty. Can I get you anything? And then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk. I'm going to do better than water. I got some milk for you. (laughs) Gave him a jug of milk, gave him a drink, covered him. I think the Message Bible says Oreo cookies were involved. (laughs) I'm not really sure. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent, you know, be on the lookout. If any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here, you shall say no. And then Yael, Haber's wife, Look at this. She took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand, all right, and went softly to him. She's tiptoeing and drove. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, you read ahead, didn't you? And and drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So does it even need to tell us? He died. He died. You know, literally, <laughs> he got hammered that night. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Oh, oh, it's true, friends. He literally got hammered. That brings new meaning to that term, doesn't it? He got hammered that night by Yael, a wild mountain goat. It says, and then as Barak pursued Sisera, 
Yael came out to meet him and said to him, come, I will show you the man whom you seek. Yeah, he's kind of nailed to the floor of my tent. He's not going anywhere. And when he went into her tent, <laughs> there lay Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. Wow. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Now, I actually, in 2014, I actually wrote a poem for Yael. <laughs> and I thought I'd, I'd share it with you as a tribute to this woman here in Judges chapter 4. So here's, here's my poem I share with you. And it's entitled, Lady with a Hammer. (laughs) Jael, Jael, what the heck? Did you think you were building a deck? (laughs) With a hammer in one hand and a ten peg in another, you became a murdering mother. You gave a man milk, and while he slept on silk, instead of going jogging, you nailed him in the noggin. (laughs) Now I know your name is Jael, and perhaps it suits you well. But when you crush a man's head like it was an egg, a better name for you, I think is Peg. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's so sad. What a way to end a Bible study. I'm going to give you the last thing, and then we'll pick it up next. She's a songwriter. All to chapter 5, Deborah, not Jael. Deborah is a songwriter, and that's all of chapter 5. It's a song. In fact, Jael gets a stanza in the song. We'll see that next. She sings about Jael. So, She gets honored, Jael does, there in Deborah's song in chapter 5. But I I will actually close with this instead of a silly poem. This is a weird and somewhat obviously gruesome, you know, event here. But yet it's included in the Bible. And a lot of times things that are included in the Bible are to serve as a type for us or a picture for us. And the picture here in this scene with Sisera and Jael is that Sisera is a picture or a type of the flesh. And we can have one of two responses to the sinful desires of our flesh. We can either give comfort to those things and feed them, or we can die to the flesh. That's, that's the takeaway from the scene. It is, it is a... It's a, it's a brutal scene here. But if we translate it in terms of, you know, the, the, the picture that it paints for us, it is this idea that Sisera represents the sinful aspect of our flesh, okay? And that sinful aspect of our flesh desires to get comfort within your tent. Now, the New Testament refers to our bodies as a tent. So it is this picture of, like, this sinful desire loves to find rest and comfort and to be coddled within our tent. But we must kill it. We must put to death, and here's the verse that is a parallel to this. It's Colossians 3, 5, and it says, Therefore, put to death your members, meaning the parts of your body, the flesh, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. NIV says it this way, Therefore put to death whatever wars against your soul. These things of the flesh are like 
little Ciceras, if you will, that want to be comforted and fed, but instead we have to crucify the flesh, we have to die to self, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. So there might be a Cicera that wants to be comforted in your tent, but instead we must die to our sinful nature and live for the Spirit of God. Amen. Our days are sometimes filled with nonstop movement, aren't they? The pastors, staff, and community here at Cornerstone Connection don't want you to miss out on nuggets of wisdom from God's Word. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can connect with us from anywhere. Interested in hearing more? Go to cornerstoneconnection.cc where Pastor Gary Hamrick has more audio messages for you to tune into. Scroll down until you see the space that says Teaching Library. Once there, we've made it as simple as possible to search by topic, speaker, or book. We pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to stop by. We have Sunday services at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. Is the middle of your week more free? Come join us on Wednesday evenings then at 7. Were you blessed by what you heard today? Would you consider donating some of your resources? If so, it's pretty simple. You can use our mobile app or click on the Give Now tab found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, That's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to our next time together right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.